Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Obsidian Achievement. This is your host, Mike Russin, and today we are going to be discussing an extremely uplifting topic, uh, and we are going to be discussing one of the worst experiences I've had in my life. <laughs> Strap in. Uh, two reasons. Number one, I like to revisit where I was at a certain point in my life. Uh, number one, for you guys, so that you can learn lessons <clears throat> from what I've been through. But also, number two, to remind myself to never go backwards uh, when I'm feeling a certain way. <clears throat> the other reason I like to talk about it is rather selfish. Um, I, every once in a couple, like every once, once or twice a year, I start having nightmares about it, and I know I sound like a big P-U-S-S-Y right now, but um, when I talk about it, I, they, they go away. Like, just getting it out, just, they go away. So anyways, one of the worst experiences I had in my life, I think it was 20, yeah, 2020, I was not in a good place, okay? Which is so funny because everything in my life, like, was, you know, I just got married, but my wife and I were miserable, absolutely miserable. We barely talked. <coughs> we barely talked. Um, you know, I was, I, I think that year I made like $800,000, $850,000, but I was absolutely miserable. Every single day I was putting on a mask, uh, and pretending to be somebody that I wasn't sitting through just endless, pointless meetings, having to deal with politics and business and just, very, uh, I was very, 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 very unhappy. Very unhappy. Um, I was drinking a lot. Um, I was taking things like Xanax and painkillers. Uh, I had actually recently just had a run-in with the law, uh, where I was actually charged. So some of you guys are going to hear this stuff and be like, Mike, you? <laughs> and others are going to be like, oh yeah, I remember this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is about three years ago. I'm not that far distance from uh, almost, I don't know, I, I'm lucky to be alive. Let's put it that way. There were many, many times where I would hit an open stretch of road in the Maserati and just hit 150, 160, and just whatever happened, happened. I was not, it was not in a good, not a good spot, man. And I look back and I'm like, dude, what an idiot. But uh, <clears throat> I'm still getting over this, man. I'm still getting over this head cold. It's, it's driving me nuts. Pray that this goes away for me. But anyways, not in a good spot. So I don't, I think, uh, I remember where I was or what I was doing, but I drank a lot and by a lot, like, I mean, like almost a whole bottle of Jack. I remember it was whiskey or Knob Creek or Maker's Mark or something. And I'd taken, I think, one too many painkillers and I was not feeling super hot at all. So I got home and I'm like, I told my wife, I'm like, I need you to take me to the hospital. And, uh, so she takes me to the hospital and, you know, they run through what I did. Said I drank, I took some pills. They're like, were you trying to kill yourself? I'm like, no, I wasn't trying to kill myself. I just overdid it. And they're like, well, have you ever thought about suicide? I'm like, who hasn't? I said, look at life, man. Life is tough. Like life is tough. Like, I've, I think if you've never at least pondered it at one point, you're a little crazy. I said something along those lines, right? And uh, 
So the nurses left the room, doctor left the room. I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, I'm starting to come down, I'm starting to feel sober. I'm like, I don't need to be here anymore. So I took my own IV out, blood squirting all over the place. Took my own IV out, and I go to walk out the door. <clears throat> and I'm sitting there, and I see, no, I'm like out in the waiting room, and I see nurses pointing at me. And uh, I'm waiting for my wife. And a couple security guards come up, and then a couple guys in white coats come up, and they're like, no, no you're not leaving. I'm like, what do you mean I'm not leaving? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm good. I just needed some IV fluids. I'm fine. And they're like, no, no, you're, we're committing you. <clears throat> so it's called, uh, uh, there's, it's like a 302, like a 20, one is uh, involuntary and they can keep you as long as they want. Uh, what I got was like a 203 or something like that, which is, it's, it's involuntary, voluntary, 72 hours. And I'm like, why am I being committed? And they said, you uh, suicidal ideation. We want to keep you under observation for at least 72 hours. I'm like, I never, well, who said they wanted to kill themselves? I said, who hasn't thought about it? And I started to get really combative. So they called over more security guards. And I'm telling you right now, the only reason I probably didn't get charged with more felonies and I'll never forget, I'm going after this hospital. At, at Once I get some of my other lawsuits cleaned up, uh, I'm going to bury that hospital. I'm at least going to get 50 mil from these people. I'm telling you right now, I, I, I'll never forget this. What, one of the security guards, man, I swear this guy was an angel. I really mean it. Like, when I say he was an angel, like, I really feel like he was an angel. He just, I was so backed in. My worst fear is, like, jail or this, like this, being involuntarily committed for 72 hours was the actualization and realization of my worst fear. Anybody that talks that knows me well enough knows that being restricted, confined against my will is my worst fear. And I will fight tooth and nail to get out of that situation. Like if I knew I was going to jail for any period longer than I don't even know. Even if it was a year, I think I'd either go on the run or I'm going to go down in a hail of bullets. Like, you're not taking me. Um, but I swear this guy was an angel. And uh, he just had this way of calming me down. He's a big guy, too. He's real, like, really in, like, in shape, very fit. Probably mid-40s, early 50s. And he went and he got me an ice cream. <laughs> And, uh, you know, he was talking smack on the doctors, too. He's like, these guys, he's like, listen, bro. He's like, just if, if you if you try to do anything, they can involuntarily commit you. It's like a felony on your record. You won't be able to get a firearm, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, all right. So I'm like, all right, I'll go in and I'll do it. And uh, you want to talk about them. You know, these people, that's all they wanted to do was bill my insurance company. That's it. For 70, you know what I did for 72 hours? They, so first off, they put me, uh, because I was combative, they put me with the crazy wackos. Like you couldn't close your door. Uh, somebody was peeking in your room every 15 minutes. They were giving us pills. Don't know what they were. Um, like we had people banging their heads off the wall. Two people tried to escape. So after about 12 hours of realizing that I'm a very normal person and probably several of the staff said several times I shouldn't have been there. They moved me to the less 
restricted wing uh, where I basically became Lord of the Crazies. I took over. So for two days, I made it my little project <laughs> to, <laughs> to lead and guide and direct these people. So we did like, uh, you know, because it's, it's a set. Some of those people are in there uh, indefinitely. There are people that were in there for two, three weeks. So I said, well, you know what? If I'm going to be here, I'm going to make the best of the situation. And the way I'm going to make the best of my situation is I'm going to make the best of other people's situations. So we did like, I had them do group readings with me. We danced. Uh, we played board games. Uh, I spent a lot of time in my room just doing endless push-ups and sit-ups. You didn't get your phone. There was a TV from 1987 on the wall at the common room, but it was 72 hours up. There was no, there was no care at all whatsoever. Like if I was actually suicidal, I think I would have came out of that experience more suicidal <laughs> because it was 72 hours of nothing. It just goes to show you, man, how broken the system is, how messed up our mental health care is. And just, it's just, it's just such a nasty nasty, broken, disgusting system. So long story short, I got locked up with the sticky sock people for 72 hours because I made a broad sweeping philosophical statement about suicide. And uh, it was funny, they wanted to keep me longer too, for no real reason. The doctor, uh, when she called my wife, was like, you know, if you want, we could keep them for a couple more days. They just want more money. Money, 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 money. Keep keep billing my. I bet you if I didn't have insurance, they would have let they would have cut me loose immediately. But uh, that was the worst experience of my life. I still, uh, like I said, I still have nightmares over this. Um, like when they transported me, like I was strapped down to a gurney, legs, arms, everything. It was it's a it was a harrowing experience for me and it was like I said before the me actualizing my worst nightmare like it actually happened and uh, there's a lot that I could say about what I'm going to do in the future to the people that were responsible for all that because your, your time will come don't you worry I got a list I got a list of people that are going to be in court with me for the next I don't care if it costs me 50 million dollars and I get one dollar back there's a, there, there's a long list of people that are going to be in court with me for the rest of their lives. And these people are on that list. So if you're listening to this, you know who you, you're going to be with. <laughs> We're going to be together for a long time. For a very, very, very long time. There are a lot of people that I'm going to make it my life's mission to make an example out of. Not for revenge, but too many people get away with doing really nasty things to other people with little to no consequences. I'm not that person. I've had people like, well, you know, when you win, because I will, why, why don't you just let it go and, you know, it's obvious and just let it go and no. <laughs> You're going to be with me forever. Ever. And that's it's the same with these people. But anyways, you guys probably think my cheese is slipping off my cracker right now. But anyways, I I revisit this story again just to talk about it. Uh, but also to let you guys know how much can change in three years. And really, it's been 
the past year and a half has been great. So it's really like a year and a half I was able to completely turn my life around. And the biggest missing piece was God. That's number one. Now, people talk about, oh, got to get in the gym and this and that. Yes, all of that is extremely important. That's a piece of the puzzle. However, the biggest thing I was missing at that time is I had no relationship with God whatsoever. Whatsoever. And what I got out of that place, that's the first thing I started to work on was I need to start to hone in on my relationship with God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, because that's the only, there's no medicine. If you're listening to me right now and you're like struggling with mental health issues and all this, there's no medicine out there that's going to fix you. Medicine treats symptoms. It doesn't address the cause. I would, and I'm not a doctor, but I would never allow somebody that I care about, my wife, my child, to get on any kind of antidepressant ever for any reason. Well, it worked for me. No, it didn't. It numbed you. It numbed you and it didn't solve anything, any, any of the underlying causes. I've never met a single person that's on antidepressants that's like, wow, you're cured. You're clearly okay. No, everybody that I've ever met that was on antidepressants was very clearly on antidepressants. They don't work. Outside of repairing your relationship with God, you're never going to find it anywhere. You're not going to find it at the bottom of the bottle. You're not going to find it at the bottom of the pill. You're not going to find it at the bottom of the ocean. You're not going to find it in a new career. You're not going to find it in a new workout routine. You're not going to find it in a new partner. You're not going to find it anywhere else. But at the feet of God, that's the only place is where you come and you humble yourself and you realize and admit that you're helpless to save yourself and there's nothing that you could do and you come back to God. That's number one. But yes, number two is also having a really good routine in regards to the development of your body and your mind. If you have a sound body, you're usually going to have a very sound mind. At this time, I had no relationship with God. I was working out maybe once a week, if that. Very sporadic no good morning routine. I was, you know, skipping breakfast, chewing on Adderall to get through the day, drinking a bunch of coffee and Red Bulls and eating like crap and drinking at lunch because that was just the culture. That's just what everybody did. And, uh, you know, I had no routine. I was, I was abusing my body. I wasn't putting anything positive in my mind. That's for sure. My mind was a swirling torrent of negativity about the business I was in. There was always issues. There was always problems. I wasn't taking time to disconnect. I was surrounded by just problems and just issues. And You know, and it's uh, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately because um, a little bit of that buzzing is coming back a little bit. Not I love it's I'm so blessed to do what I do now. It's so funny your mind will, will your mind will find problems. Your mind will find problems. Like this this kid that we just brought into our business not not too long ago. He's like, "Dude, he's like, my whole goal was to be at home with my wife and my kids and work from home." And he's like, "Dude, you helped me achieve that." And then he's like, "But now my mind thinks I'm not working hard enough cuz my day's done at 2 or 3 o'clock." He's like, now I'm, my mind's like racing to find problems. And dude, 
your mind will it's why people uh, have to practice being grateful because your mind will seek endlessly to find issues problems that's just if you're a super high achieving type A person that's how you're going to be that's how you're going to be and I think you have to get used to number one you need to practice gratitude but you also have to get used to and allow yourself uh, to have moments of stillness I struggle with this I feel um, when I'm not doing anything I feel very uneasy I feel lazy I could have all my tasks done all the boxes checked and it's like man you earned it like just sit your ass down and just chill do whatever do nothing stare at the wall read a book <coughs> and uh I struggle with that. And what I think I'm going to do here soon, uh, this is a very important thing for me, is I think I'm going to take two days uh, and completely and utterly disconnect from everything. Probably a Saturday and a Sunday. I'm going to get like a little cabin <coughs> with my wife, my daughter, and my dog. <coughs> just somewhere up here in Maine. Just a change of scenery. And just completely disconnect. Um... The last time I did that, I came up with all my business ideas. It was such a good refresh button. Because, you know, what I find is more difficult for me than anything. You guys want to hear real transparency? Any big problems I have aren't what bother me at all. Any big tasks that need completed aren't like, here's what bothers me. Um, I've got a new tax guy and I have to send my uh, my last like three or four returns to him just so he could get an idea so anyways I went to my old tax guy he put them in a Dropbox and I can't get them from my Dropbox to my new accountant's Dropbox and this is a problem that could probably be solved in less than five minutes but it has been two weeks <laughs> I cannot stand, pardon my French, shit like that. You got to go re-register your vehicle. No, you've got to upload this document. It's got to be a PDF. That stuff, it's these little tasks that aren't real things. They're not real. They're not real. It's like... What's a Dropbox? <laughs> None of this is real. None of it's real. <coughs> Taxes are gay. It's just all set. You know, it's it's that stuff, man. And I've had to deal with a lot of that stuff recently. And like meetings, like I've had a few more meetings recently that I'd really like to have. And there's just a visceral reaction in my soul to these things. Um. Uh, just pure hatred and it, it takes me a long time to get these done and what it does is that frustration spills over into everything else and it makes me want to not do anything like the Dropbox issue is a thorn in my side that affects my performance everywhere else in my life I just uh, it really bothers me man so I don't know what the point of today was. Well, we, 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 hit on, we hit on a lot of good stuff today. I think there's a lot of good lessons to take away from today's discussion. Never be honest with doctors ever for any, never, 
don't even go to the doctor unless you're in a dire medical emergency. Doctors are snakes. They're nasty. They're overpaid pill salesmen. They don't solve any issues at all for anybody, mostly. Most nurses are psychos, sadists. It's just uh, the whole medical system needs burned to the ground and rebuilt. It's really, really bad. But, all right, well, on that lovely note, <laughs> all right, hey, I love you guys. Have a great day, and uh, I will be talking to you.